0: Chapter Sixteen of Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Six by John Hay and John George Nicolay. Chapter Sixteen: Military Governors by the union victories in the spring of 1862 very considerable areas of territory in states in rebellion came under the control and occupation of the union armies namely in tennessee after the battles of fort donelson and shiloh in arkansas after the battle of pea ridge in north carolina after the capture of roanoke island and in louisiana after the capture of new orleans the sudden change from confederate to federal authority involved everywhere either a serious derangement or total cessation of the ordinary administration of local civil law and the displacement from the occupied territory of state governments and state officials who claimed to be exercising functions under ordinances of secession and yielding obedience to the self-styled confederate states a similar displacement had occurred in virginia and in missouri during the year eighteen sixty one but in those states prompt remedies were available in virginia by a spontaneous and overwhelming popular movement a delegate convention was assembled which at once abrogated the rebel and restored a federal state government from which in due time sprang the separation of virginia and the erection and admission of the new state of west virginia in missouri there existed a lawfully chosen state convention a full quorum of which was called together under its own rules and by ordinances of undoubted validity vacated the state offices held by insurgents and appointed a provisional state government loyal to the federal union neither of these courses however was immediately feasible in the other states we have named and a substitute was found in the appointment of military governors to represent and exert such state and local authority as the anomalous conditions made practicable and as the supreme military necessities might allow the first of these appointments occurred in tennessee nashville the capital having been evacuated about february twenty three eighteen sixty two president lincoln nominated and the senate confirmed andrew johnson march fourth eighteen sixty two as military governor with the rank of brigadier-general in a speech made by governor johnson at nashville on assuming his duties he thus sketched what he understood to be his official functions the state government has disappeared the executive has abdicated the legislature has dissolved the judiciary is in abeyance the archives have been desecrated the public property stolen and destroyed the vaults of the state bank violated and its treasures robbed including the funds carefully gathered and consecrated for all time to the instruction of our children in such a lamentable crisis the government of the united states could not be unmindful of its high constitutional obligation to guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government this obligation the national government is now attempting to discharge i have been appointed in the absence of the regular and established state authorities as military governor for the time being to preserve the public property of the state to give the protection of law actively enforced to her citizens and as speedily as may be to restore her government to the same condition as before the existing rebellion i find most if not all of the offices both state and federal vacated either by actual abandonment or by the action of the incumbents in attempting to subordinate their functions to a power in hostility to the fundamental law of the state and subversive of her national allegiance i shall therefore as early as practicable designate for various positions under the state and county governments from among my fellow-citizens persons of probity and intelligence and bearing true allegiance to the constitution and government of the united states who will execute the functions of their respective offices until their places can be filled by the action of the people conforming to this precedent mr lincoln through the secretary of war appointed edward stanley military governor of north carolina with authority to exercise and perform within the limits of that state all and singular the powers duties and functions pertaining to the office of military governor including the power to establish all necessary offices and tribunals and suspend the writ of habeas corpus during the pleasure of the president or until the loyal inhabitants of that state shall organize a civil government in conformity with the constitution of the united states it is obvious to you added the secretary on the twentieth that the great purpose of your appointment is to reestablish the authority of the federal government in the state of north carolina and provide the means of maintaining peace and security to the loyal inhabitants of that state until they shall be able to establish a civil government in like manner soon after news was received of the successes in the gulf colonel g f shepley of the twelfth Maine infantry of butler's army was appointed military governor of louisiana this selection being made because general butler had already designated him to act as mayor of the city of new orleans and it was thought best to combine both functions in the same individual the utility of such appointments had been so far demonstrated that when general curtis after the battle of pea ridge had marched down white river to helena on the mississippi river and was preparing to resume from that point his meditated advance on little rock with every prospect that he would be able to hold it permanently a similar commission as military governor of arkansas was given to john s phelps a citizen of missouri with the intention that he should accompany the army and assume his duties as soon as the capital of the state was reached to prevent the delays of communication to and from washington subsequent military events however delayed the advance of the union army to that place more than a year and when it finally occurred a spontaneous popular movement organized a convention which appointed a provisional governor rendering the intervention of a military governor unnecessary mr phelps therefore never actually entered upon any practical official duties it is not within the scope of this work to review the official administration of these military governors except so far as it relates to the action of president lincoln on the subject of what is known as reconstruction or more properly the reorganization of loyal state governments his treatment of the question both theoretical and practical grew logically out of the successive military and political events of his administration in his inaugural address the president had laid down the following propositions i hold that in contemplation of universal law and of the constitution the union of these states is perpetual perpetuity is implied if not expressed in the fundamental law of all national governments it follows from these views that no state upon its own mere motion can lawfully get out of the union That resolves and ordinances to that effect are legally void and that acts of violence within any state or states against the authority of the united states are insurrectionary or revolutionary according to circumstances i therefore consider that in view of the constitution and the laws the union is unbroken and in his special message to congress on july 4 1861 occurs this supplementary declaration the states have their status in the union and they have no other legal status if they break from this they can only do so against law and by revolution it is hardly necessary to prove that by the term revolution the president meant successful and not merely attempted revolution the action of the government in all its departments was based upon the idea that the rebellion was the unlawful proceeding of individuals which neither destroyed nor impaired any rights or obligations of statehood nor even any rights or obligations of their co-citizens who remained loyal this doctrine was announced by mr lincoln in the same special message where he declared the people of virginia have thus allowed this giant insurrection to make its nest within her borders and this government has no choice left but to deal with it where it finds it and it has the less regret as the loyal citizens have in due form claimed its protection those loyal citizens this government is bound to recognize and protect as being virginia the language refers of course to the provisional government headed by pierpoint which was organized by the wheeling convention congress took precisely the same view of the matter in recognizing and admitting to seats not alone senators and representatives from virginia and missouri where provisional loyal state governments had been organized but also senator andrew johnson and representatives horace maynard and andrew j clements from tennessee where no such reorganization had taken place we have no further expression of lincoln's views until the midsummer of eighteen sixty two when he touched upon the subject quite incidentally in connection with louisiana matters reverdy johnson who had been sent there on government business wrote him that complaints were being made about the course of general phelps of butler's army in his reply of july twenty sixth eighteen sixty two mr lincoln wrote the people of louisiana all intelligent people everywhere know full well that i never had a wish to touch the foundations of their society or any right of theirs with perfect knowledge of this they forced a necessity upon me to send armies among them and it is their own fault not mine that they are annoyed by the presence of general Phelps. they very well know The way to avert all this is simply to take their place in the Union upon the old terms. Two days later, the president developed his idea more fully in a letter to Cuthbert Bullitt. The people of Louisiana who wish protection to person and property have but to reach forth their hands and take it let them in good faith re-inaugurate the national authority and set up a state government conforming thereto under the constitution they know how to do it and can have the protection of the army while doing it the army will be withdrawn so soon as such state government can dispense with its presence and the people of the state can then upon the old constitutional terms govern themselves to their own liking it would seem that after writing this letter president lincoln took no further action upon the subject of reconstruction for more than two months during this time he fully matured the policy he intended to pursue in regard to slavery and definitely announced it in the preliminary emancipation proclamation of september twenty two eighteen sixty two that proclamation gave notice that states which were in good faith represented in congress would be deemed not in rebellion and would by such return to loyalty escape the threatened penalty of emancipation in addition it seemed to him but just to give so far as he could a reasonable opportunity for such repentance to manifest itself accordingly on the fourteenth of october he sent by a former resident of louisiana and the only representative from that state who had kept his seat in congress in defiance of her ordinance of secession the following confidential letter to the commander of the department of the gulf and the military governor of louisiana executive mansion washington october fourteenth eighteen sixty two major general butler governor shepley and all having military and naval authority under the united states within the state of louisiana The bearer of this, Honorable John E. Bouligny, a citizen of Louisiana, goes to that state seeking to have such of the people thereof as desire to avoid the unsatisfactory prospect before them, and to have peace again upon the old terms under the Constitution of the United States, to manifest such desire by elections of members to the Congress of the United States, particularly, and perhaps a legislature, state officers, and united states senators friendly to their object i shall be glad for you and each of you to aid him and all others acting for this object as much as possible in all available ways give the people a chance to express their wishes at these elections follow forms of law as far as convenient but at all events get the expression of the largest number of the people possible all see how such action will connect with and effect the proclamation of september twenty two of course the men elected should be gentlemen of character willing to swear support to the constitution as of old and known to be above reasonable suspicion of duplicity yours very respectfully a lincoln there appears to have been some delay in the delivery of the foregoing letter to governor shepley though it would seem that the president's desire to have members of congress elected became known to the new orleans politicians who naturally were interested in these prospective chances and one of them came to consult the president he bore back with him a letter explaining that mr lincoln desired a genuine election and not a sham a revival of healthy political action to demonstrate whether or not louisiana contained any loyal citizens dear sir dr kennedy bearer of this has some apprehension that federal officers not citizens of louisiana may be set up as candidates for congress in that state in my view there could be no possible object in such an election we do not particularly need members of congress from there to enable us to get along with legislation here what we do want is the conclusive evidence that respectable citizens of louisiana are willing to be members of congress and to swear support to the constitution and that other respectable citizens there are willing to vote for them and send them to send a parcel of northern men here as representatives elected as would be understood and perhaps really so at the point of the bayonet would be disgraceful and outrageous and were i a member of congress here i would vote against admitting any such man to a seat yours very truly a lincoln hon g f shepley on the same day the president also addressed a private letter to governor shepley setting forth at considerable length the specific action he wished the military governor to take to inaugurate reconstruction your letter of the sixth instant to the secretary of war has been placed in my hands and i am annoyed to learn from it that at its date nothing had been done about congressional elections on the fourteenth of october i addressed a letter to general butler yourself and others upon this very subject sending it by honourable mr bouligny i now regret the necessity of inferring that you had not seen this letter up to the sixth instant i enclose you a copy of it and also a copy of another addressed to yourself this morning upon the same general subject and placed in the hands of dr kennedy i ask attention to both i wish elections for congressmen to take place in louisiana but i wish it to be a movement of the people of the district and not a movement of our military and quasi military authorities there i merely wish our authorities to give the people a chance to protect them against secession interference of course the election cannot be according to strict law by state law there is, I suppose, no election day before january and the regular election officers will not act in many cases if in any these knots must be cut the main object being to get an expression of the people if they would fix a day and a way for themselves all the better but if they stand idle not seeming to know what to do do you fix these things for them by proclamation and do not waste a day about it but fix the election day early enough that we can hear the result here by the first of january fix a day for an election in all the districts and have it held in as many places as you can under this direction of the president governor shepley caused an election for members of congress to be held in the first and second congressional districts of louisiana each of which embraced about one-half of the city of new orleans with some outlying territory all other districts of the state being outside the union military lines the usual legal forms prescribed by the statutes of the state were observed the governor appointed sheriffs and commissioners of election and old citizens of the state of loyalty and respectability accepted the appointments and discharged their duties to the entire satisfaction of both candidates and voters the election was held on the third of december eighteen sixty two in perfect order and quiet it was in no wise interfered with by the army and no federal office holder was a candidate indeed it was admitted that for the first time in a considerable number of years every qualified voter might freely cast his ballot without fear of intimidation or violence In the first district, B.F. Flanders was chosen by 2,370 out of the total of 2,643 votes. In the second district, Michael Hahn was chosen by 2,799 out of the total of 5,117, about one-half the usual vote having been polled in each district. Flanders and Hahn were admitted to seats in the House of Representatives after full scrutiny, the chairman of the Committee on Elections declaring that this had every essential of a regular election in a time of most profound peace, with the exception of the fact that the proclamation was issued by the military instead of the civil governor of Louisiana CHAPTER sixteen